Welcome to the Super Oddcast, uh, an occasional look at the Pokemon trading card game. I'm Kirk Dupe, Snacks Dubay, your host, along co-host Jeffrey Saranwrap Saran. How are you doing, my friend? Doing great, doing great. It's been about a lot of months since uh, we've been on the podcast together, but we've seen each other a fair bit, you know, but I still miss you. Miss you too, buddy. Uh, good news is, last time we did this, I think, was actually with our guest that we have on today, Hunter Butler, a.k.a. the Stun Fisk Scumbag from his, <laughs> NEI, from his NEIC stories. Hunter, the Dallas champ, how you feeling? I feel great, man. I'm, I'm glad I got to be the pleasure of the last video from a couple months ago and the, the first video since then. So I, I appreciate both you guys. And obviously, I haven't seen either of you in a while, so it's nice to just even talk to you guys. So I appreciate you having me on. Shedding a tear over here. Hunter, glad to have you back. And, of course, uh, your wingman partner in crime, especially for this particular event, uh, Frank Persick. First time, is, uh, first, time, first time on SRC? Oh, no. This, uh, no, he's been on before. My, at least my second. Yeah, yeah. If not, I think it's my second or third. Probably my second, though. I know I was on um, a hot minute ago. I think it was, like, Madison Regionals, like... 2018 maybe it's been a minute hot damn well see you know there's just so much content out there that if we don't think we're bringing anything different we're not bothering doing it but uh we have the pleasure of wrangling you two in two of my favorite people that i just like talking to to begin with this makes it easy um let me give what I think is the rough breakdown, and then, Frank, I'm going to pitch it to you uh, kind of to talk about your and Hunter's relationship and maybe how you got to the spot you did for Dallas. Uh, we've got a wild Garchomp Giratina G Tag Team GX deck that uh, was kind of max consistency, taking advantage of Roxy, discarding Weezing, spreading some damage around, and then taking, I think it's, what is it, Calamitous Slash? knockouts yes, all over the place oh yeah so, so uh that frank i think you you tweeted out or maybe it was tate uh tate weitzel that tweeted out like frank comes up with silly decks every three days but i think he actually broke it for this one and it turns out uh uh stats was spot on with that so frank talk a little bit about this deck and uh how your and uh, hunter's relationship developed and evolved while working on it Oh, I mean, Hunter and I have been friends for a long time. Like, he's probably one of my, like, earliest friends in Pokemon. We met at, like, Dallas, or not Dallas. We met at, uh, what was it before Daytona City? I think it was, I want to say we met Madison three years ago was when we met, I think. No, I, it was during Florida, because you picked me up from the airport. Oh, that's right, that's right. the first time right. I met you. Yes, yeah, yes, it was that like, was, yep, you're right. It was before Daytona. it turned into Daytona Beach, though. It was like, what city did they have it in? Vieira in Vieira. It was in Orlando. It was in Orlando. Oh, yeah. Was, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was Orlando. Yeah. yeah. Orlando. Orlando had a, like, yeah. Cause like I used to live in Florida. Azul. Azul. The one Azul and Chemansky finals then. That sounds right. Um, but yeah, no, we met there. Um, and I was friends with Finn Lynch, who is a proprietor of Cutter Tap, which Hunter is on currently. And, um, and they, I don't know how long you guys have been friends, a lot longer than I've known either of you, just because I've only been playing Pokemon since 2016. Uh, but I met Finn in, like, the summer of 2017, and he uh, introduced me to a bunch of people, one of them being Hunter, and who ended up picking up me and Finn from the airport um, for that tournament. And we just, like, hung out over the weekend in this really nice beach house <laughs> and uh, where we stayed for the tournament, and we just, like met and got like pretty close after that tournament and started talking and like the rest is just history we've always been like pretty close after that hunter just like calls me out of the blue and we i mean we talk about pokemon a lot we talk about just like life and stuff like that and i mean that's like my you're my ride or die man like it's my boy oh, thanks bro yeah it's, it's i guess like the the thing that me and frank really had in common at first was frank had all of his like stuff together he was in school he was in pokemon i was at the time trying to get into back into school, back into college, and do Pokemon. And I kind of looked at Frank as, like, what I wanted to be, kind of. I was like, I want to have all my stuff together like Frank does. I don't want to just be out here messing around playing Pokemon and have no, like, no direction in my life. So I kind of – I really got along with Frank. And then Frank and me also had the uh, same love for spicy decks and rogue decks. We didn't like playing anything normal or boring. 
And we really, really, really wanted to try and break any meta we could, no matter what tournament it was. Uh, it was just, what can we do to break this meta? What stupid oh, idea yeah. can we come up with? What, like, what's the good decks? And we, you know, I've, there's definitely been phone calls. We've been on for hours, just like, all right, here's this deck, here's this deck, here's this deck. And, you mm-hmm. know, uh, Frank looks at the game kind of similar to me. So I think we pair really well. And we also have a good eye, uh, a good idea of when we're getting closer to a good deck, like when we're working on a deck and it's going well, we both can kind of tell, like, all right, this is this is going somewhere. Whereas I think a lot of people have that problem where when they're making Rogue, they think it's so good because they're just drawing really well, and then it goes to the tournament and they don't do, they don't uh, do very well due to like either drawing or the meta or stuff like that. So I feel like that's another uh, pro to me and Frank's relationship is if we know that the deck isn't working anymore, we're not afraid to shut down our cute idea and try another one. We're not yeah, afraid I to think- just put it to bed. I think we really keep each other, like, in check, for sure. Because, like, a lot of time, like, oh, this is so good, and, like, I love this, and, like, da 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 And then Hunter will be like, well, okay, well, what about this? Or, like, well, you know, beat me with this deck, and then we'll talk about it. Or, and, like, vice versa. And I think, you know, I mean, when we start to talk about going over, like, how this deck came into fruition, you'll see that, like, a lot. Um, but, yeah, no, man, I mean, we like you said, we have those, like, hour-long phone calls and just, like really like get some good work in with that too and and like i we both said like we talk about like other stuff like you know like uh i was in school at the time when we met and uh we're both really into music too i think that's something we might talk about almost oh as yeah much as pokemon absolutely if, it, if if it's second to pokemon it's definitely a rap music Oh, yeah. uh, for for sure, for sure, on on what's good and what's not good. So yeah, we we have a much more we have a much more complex friendship than just a regular Pokemon. Yeah, that and like biology. Oh, and biology for sure. Yeah. So a couple layers to that onion between uh, Frank and Hunter here. Um, I'm not I'm not gonna uh, peel you guys away from your life stories too much, but we all know <laughs> why everybody's firing up this podcast, and it's to find out. How did this deck come to fruition? Uh, who came up with the idea? Who brought it to the table? What was that process like leading up to Dallas? So Frank started with a Malamar deck that was based on uh, Giratina, Darchomp, and Nagguz. And this was actually an iteration of a deck he had made day two in a tournament a year or oh, yeah. two ago. I mean, we can we can go deep, too, because like yeah. even – so like so the path like for me to get there – was, was that like your even Roanoke longer. regional Giratina EX Double Dragon Energy Malamar thing? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So like, oh, Kirk remembers I, that one. Oh yeah. So like that. So we were at that point when Hunter called me, and like it had gone through like a couple iterations before that too. Like there was like like a spread kind of deal going on with like the Mimikyu and like some other like um, stuff like that that just like abused the Cosmic Eclipse Mimikyu and um, Roxy and stuff. And then um, it ended up getting to this, like, Malamar. And then Hunter called me one day, and I was like, hey, like, uh, you know, we were talking about the tournament and everything, and we were going over, you know, like, what what are we running right now? And I was like, oh, I have a Malamar deck, like, it's similar to, like, Malamar Dragons, like that Roanoke deck that I got uh, 19th with in 20... I can't remember if it was the like end of 2019, I think. Uh, like end, of, 2018, end, end of 2018, 2019 season. End of 2018-2019 season, for sure. Oh, no, um... I think it might have been the season before. Regardless, um, it was that Malamar Dragon deck. It was a great one. Forbidden Light was first legal and expanded. And um, so I started working off of that with, like, the new Dragon Pokemon. So with Guznag and and uh, Giratina Garchomp and stuff. And there was there was eggs in it, like, used eggs to abuse Roxy. Like, I knew that was something that I really wanted to do to, like, abuse the Guzzlord ability and abuse, like, the, the Roxy with Execute. Because I think that, like, really went over a lot of people's heads. And Propagation Execute is, like, one of my favorite cards. And um, then I had the Weezings in it, too, to spread and use the Mimikyu. But it would do stuff like, you know, have the Psychic um, Giratina to attack. And it had, like, um, Marshadow GX for Dark. And it had, Mew, it, it had um, like, just different stuff in it like that. And me and Hunter ran so many games with it. And eventually Hunter is to me, he's like, Frank, he's like, this deck's, like, fine. He's like, the only, like, the redeeming quality of this deck is, like, the Giratina and the Double Dragon energy. Like, that's... That's why the deck is good. Like, everything else, just, like, scrap it. And so then we started working on, like, different iterations of dragon decks. And that started with Hunter's idea, which was Plasma Badge and Chorus Machine, which was awesome. 
and I don't know if you want to talk like a little bit more about that, but that's like the avenue when we started like working around these like yeah. dragon type decks. So we we wanted a way to t- to power up Guznag and Giratina Garchomp in one turn um, because you don't have this Magus. So we were just like, all right, well, if we use Plasma Badge, we get Deoxys EX. So we get to power up our attacks as well. And we can also Coerce Machine to other attackers like Absol and uh, maybe a Thunderous. We, we really went, didn't go too deep in the deck because then we found that Reshiram was probably just better than all that. So then, oh, Frank, yeah, really, yeah. then Frank really started grinding Reshiram. And the list was good, but you know Frank was like, "I'm really content with this. This is we're gonna keep working on this." And then uh, I was like, "Man, we gotta make it faster. Like I have a problem with it yeah. being faster." You wanted like max elixir, and you're just yeah. like, max elixir, bro, max elixir. And uh, I was like, "I'm not putting wanted, nine energies uh, in the deck." <laughs> right, all right. And and Frank was right, and Frank was right. Ended up being right on that point that max elixir was not gonna work. And then uh, literally, I think five or six days before the event, we hadn't talked in maybe a day or so, and I called him and I said, look, dude, I have a way to power up Tina Chump in, in one turn. And he said, yo, I have one too. And I said, all right, let's say it on three. And we both said Tap Coco Prism Star at the same time. I, sh- I swear this is really what happened. And so I was like, all right, this is where we go with the deck. Like, Reshiram's gone. We need to figure out what we do with Coco. And so both of us kind of took a step back, took our own list. I started with a different list. He started with closer to the list that we ended up on. I had like a little bit more draw, like more males, a little less uh, techy stuff. But Frank wanted a lot more options, which ended up being really good for the tournament. So finally, we got to the point where we were like, all right, Coco's the way. Propagation executes the way. Then Great Catcher found its way into the deck. And once Great Catcher found its way into the deck, that's when I knew we had it. Because being able to do uh, Roxy Away Weezing, Attach Double Dragon, Pop Your Coco... Great catcher up the tag team that you just damaged on the bench that they're hiding from you and take a one shot all in one turn. I was like, all right, this is, this is, we have something really good. And it just would not lose. It would not lose to anything. You would just, boom, so consistent. It, if any deck had a misstep on an energy or a misstep on an attack or a misstep on a, a KO or anything, it would just instantly punish it. And then Mimikyu was like the big thing for me uh, that really drew me to the deck was Mimikyu is just, so oppressive in the expanded format right now, turning off Sorak GX, Mewtwo GX, Zero Aura GX, uh, Dark Ride, uh, not Dark Ride GX, because that's on the, uh, that pops out of the discard pile, but uh, Weavile GX. All these guys cannot do anything if you just put one measly damage counter on them. And so once, a, once uh, I think Thursday or Friday came around, Thursday we were pretty much set, and then we were just arguing over like fourth male and field blower. At that point, we were just arguing over semantics about what to play, and we we landed on the the right list. I think at like eleven thirty Friday night. We put the last later, blower. Yeah. Either yeah. way, we put the, we put the last blower in, and, and we knew we were going to be good for the tournament. So yeah. I know a couple other individuals ended up on the deck um, from the uh, I guess uh, team Gas, which is Frank. What you uh, you you're affiliated with, gentlemen and scholars, I believe is what that stands for. Oh yeah. And then Hunter, so, I know uh, you were talking to your uh, <clears throat> cutter tap folks. So uh, was anybody else involved in kind of this uh, amalgamation process? I know you guys were obviously the key players in uh, making this deck, uh, you know, come to light. But uh, anything else? Anybody else worth uh, mentioning through this process? So, team like the team gas. We have like a chat together. As I'm sure most you know people that affiliate with each other do. Like we have just like a group chat, and so they really got to see like the whole iteration of the deck from like. Um, like that that kind of like waypoint of when I was like very heavy on Malamar for like a while. Like that's when it really started to like pick up, and like the process started to really like exponentially kind of speed up to get to what we had now. And so then went through things like the plasma, like that lasted maybe like a day. <laughs> um, and then plasma badge like, only lasted like yeah, hours. <laughs> it like, it lasted like two farther. games on Pete on ladder, and it was like okay, no. Um, but so they got the restaurant ram list. The, the Roaring Skies one, and um, Nick Robinson was really integral when it came to um, in, like the transitioning from like Reshiram into the Coco list. So like like Hunter said, he had his list and I had mine list, and, and I don't know like we communicated it between different people and then like kind of met in the middle. That's another nice thing too is like we'll always like we'll go off and like I have my like group and he has his thing, but like at the end of the day we're always just like you know. Like, we'll meet back up in the middle, and that's, like, really where the magic starts to happen. But I know, like, so I, like, broke off for a little bit and talked to, you know, the Team Gas chat. 
And um, when we transitioned it to Coco Prism Star, I kind of piggybacked off of like the restroom list. Just it freed up a lot of space. You didn't need all these like fire energy and like fire crystals in there and and X Y and Z. And um, there was like a lot of free space. And there was one great catcher in there. And it was pretty good, but if you discarded early, it, it wasn't you know amazing. And then there was I think an XX card. We had a professor's letter. And Nick Robinson was just like, yeah, you can get... I think a lot of people said you can get rid of that, like most people in the chat. But Nick Robinson's like, make that a second grade catcher. And it was like, that literally turned the deck like from, from 9 to, you know, 13. Like, Straight up. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Great catcher. Uh, I hope, um, if anything from this tournament can be taken, is that Execute has been needed to go and needs to go. Great catcher for free. Roxy for six for free, Ultra Ball for free, Mysterious Treasure for free. We basically got to keep every resource in our hand and just go, yep, uh, eggs just hit in the discard pile for everything. So, you know, like, as much as I like to say that, like, Great Catcher was definitely the best card in my deck, like, egg was, you know, obviously way too broken. It's and that's, so about what, that's what made the deck really strong. I love that card so much, and it is so powerful. And I think really, one, I think the thing that I, I agree with what you're saying there is like one of the big things that people overlooked when preparing for the tournament. And I think still, when they look at the list, you know, they talk about how powerful like you know 240 in one attack is or 270 with choice band. As like egg made the deck. Like you know, there's six more you can draw seven cards, but like Roxy's draw six cards, and I'll keep my 12 card hand. And you know, just being able to do that and like. We had so many ball cards and so many, or yeah, so many search cards like treasure and ultra ball and like even there was a cherish ball in there and we just could you could keep all of your resources so it's like okay here's a free Pokemon and here's a free you know Lysander effect and it let you just keep every good thing in your deck and between that like all those search cards and the mail and whatnot it just made it like the most consistent and like powerful deck like, it was it, you'd never do dead. And you like we you would not lose to like anything. It just had so much at its disposal because you could just mail and thin and thin and thin and compressor and ultra ball and and you know by turn one turn two your deck was just like had everything in it. Your board had everything on it to just like win the game as soon as possible. And it was absolutely insane. And that is like largely due to the fact just propagation. I think the cool thing I like about this list is that you guys really did take advantage of the power that expanded has to. Be able to just run through your options so quickly. Uh, another thing to point out, there's two cards I don't think we mentioned just yet. Um, I'll let you guys talk about them a little bit. Um, Noivern GX and Comfy. Now, I'm assuming with Noivern, um, you know, the idea there is to, you know, lock out Zorak and other decks with a special energy. But what other strategies you guys or, or you know, decks you guys ran into that, that Noivern GX really helped take it over the top? Um, Noivern GX originally in my mind, was like our alternate Cosmic counter. Because Zorak, you just mimic you, literally just bodies and Mimic you just gets on the field and, you know, Zorak doesn't do anything. Yeah, yeah. So. But, yeah. Uh, but the uh, the ability to lock alternate Cosmic out of special energy and then the ability to take a turn and item lock against any deck, if you were not drawing as well, you could do that. It's also a free retreater, which I actually didn't learn until... Like Thursday or Friday night, I was like, oh my god, this thing has free retreat, <laughs> which was huge in so many games, pivoting Coco turns. Uh, I, you know, I loved starting Noibat. Starting Noibat was like my favorite thing because I would just like pop off and like, get all the energy on my bench with Coco, and then it's like, okay, next time I'm going to evolve this and just retreat for free and then go in. Yeah, absolutely. And then I'll let, I'll let Frank talk about the Comfy because, uh, I mean, we, we had Comfy in every deck we were testing for this event, so it was like... It was pretty necessary, but I'll let, I'll let Frank talk about Comfy. Yeah, and I'm going to go off a little bit more about the Noivern, too, because, I mean, the Noivern was in there in the Malamar rendition, too, and we, we both talked about that early on, and I think we, we flip-flopped with it, like, a tiny bit, but I think, like, yeah, it was really good against um, Alternate Chrosma, and it was, like, really good for, like, those item lock turns and Mewtwo and stuff like that, but, like, for me, the big, like, tipping point, too, was just we didn't have an answer to, like, Pyroar or Burning Shadows Vile Plume or um, you know stuff like that that really like kind of capitalized on these big basic decks like we really were um, and so like the Neuvern provided that use and then just like on top of that it also was like really good against special energy decks and really good against item lock decks so there was no way we weren't including like that card in the deck it just became very apparent like very fast um, because like first we just needed an answer to like Egg Row and, and then it just saw how good this card was and then the comfy yeah the comfy was in there um because 
I and I, I haven't said this yet, and I've been meant to talk about this too. Is I I uh, read a tweet from Chris Kemp, who um, got second at um, Roanoke. Roanoke. I think. Yep, Roanoke. Or no, it wasn't Roanoke this year. It was Richmond. It was oh, Richmond. Richmond. Yeah. Yeah, with um, yeah, with Riverdog. And he tweeted out, he's like, if your ADP deck does not play Comfy or, um, if it doesn't play Comfy or McGear now, like, you're doing it wrong. And I was like, excuse me? <laughs> and I read the Comfy and, like, thought about it with the Double Dragon energy. And I was like, oh, yeah, like, that's really good. And um, for Turbo Dark and Shock Clock as well. And those were, like, two... Oh, Turbo shit. Dark wasn't as apparent. Yeah, they can't, they can't paralyze you if you have a Bro. Yes, it's insane, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> when it just hits you, you're just kind of like, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, I read Chris' tweet, and I was like, oh, okay, this should be in, like, every dragon deck. And, you know, he didn't really want, um, like, uh, Cobalion in there, obviously, because you would turn off by your, like, you'd be turned off by your own Mimikyu, and that could, like, make some really weird scenarios. Um and, you know, rather than having it over um, Frizian or Magirna, which are two prize attackers, like, the Comfy just made the most sense to me personally. And that had been in there, um, like, for a really long time. As long as Double Dragon Energy was in the deck, the Comfy was really in there. And, um, you know, I originally needed, like, we needed something for Shot Clock. Um, even, like, this, and the Noivern spread was really good, and we can go into, like, matchups later and stuff like that. Um, but we definitely needed, like, a tiny counter to... Shock Lock, and that's why it was originally included, and then there was that bonus of, like, oh, wow, this is so good against Turbo Dark, that you didn't need a bench space for, like, Pseudo Widow, and it was just, like, a multi-use card, and, like, that's a, like, that's a treasure, like, in deck building, is when you can have, like, one card that covers, like, multiple things that you need, like, oh, we need, like, a soft counter to Turbo Dark, like, Pseudo Widow, and we need, oh, a soft counter to Shock Lock, like, Escape Rope or something like that, when you can really just, like, create the most space in one card, and then just use those free spaces that you clear up for more consistency, like more trainer's mail, more ball search cards. Um, Comfy was just, like, the perfect thing for the deck. That's a quick shout-out to Chris Kemp for that tweet. That's why it's important to get on uh, the Pokemon Twitter train, because uh, you never know when gems are going to pop up. Um, go any any Anything else worth mentioning, uh, kind of unique about the deck, Hunter? Uh, or Frank, or cool interactions that came up throughout the weekend that we can uh, bring to light that might not be uh, noticeable on face value when they're just looking at your, uh, you know, Verbank City, uh, here's my list post? Um, definitely the Boomburst GX caught a lot of people off guard because, you know, you're playing this deck with a bunch of options, and, uh, you know, <laughs> you're... You're able to Roxy too. So against decks like Zorak, who opt to open like extra bench Pokemon, like when you're setting up, you know, most decks if you go first, or even if you go second, you don't want to de- bench all these GXs. But Zorak specifically is just like, oh, if I'm gonna get end, I'm gonna bench all these Pokemon so that when I get end, I, you know, I have I draw more cards. So you're able to go like Roxy turn one and attach to Noibat, or even not even attach to Noibat at all, and use the Coco to power it up all in one turn. And then you can Boom Burst GX all of their 60 HP Pokemon. And then I think the other cool interaction that didn't come up for me, but it came up for a couple of the other guys that ended up playing against Toad, is you can stick Guzzlord in the active and go, they punch you and you go, oh, uh, prop egg, violent appetite, heal 60, attack. Oh, cool, you hit me again, cool. Uh, propagate egg, heal 60, attack again. So you had a lot of cool stuff you could do against a bunch of decks. Not everything came up for me, especially not violent appetite. I never used it, but it was definitely an option. Yeah, I the the Boom Burst GX like really caught a lot of people off guard for me and that I played two games or two rounds of Shock Lock, both against Xander Pro, and I know the first round that we had in day one, um I won game one off of like a turn two boom burst and he was just er no, I definitely messed it up. I he had <laughs> long story, but he had like a Gumi active and then a mine came to I just like totally just screwed it up. But it Boom Burst did end up winning me the game. <laughs> And um, he was like, yeah, I totally forgot about that, or I would have got my mime out earlier. And, like, it, like a lot of stuff caught people off guard. And um, the one thing, too, is uh, so you attach, like, one double dragon into linear attack early. Like, maybe you don't get the cocoa off or something like that. And then if a second double dragon comes down, you can GG end. And so that caught some people off guard, too. Like, there, I was playing against a Mewtwo deck, and they used um, Gardevoir, Mega Gardevoir's attack to clear the entire bench when I just had, like, a lone 
Giratina with uh, Double Dragon energy and a Lightning energy on it that could have knocked out his Mewtwo. And I just attached another Double Dragon <laughs> and was like, GGN and discarded his only active. And he was like, oh yeah, I totally forgot about that. So there was, like Hunter was saying, there were just so many like small things or like different attacks that people were not really think that, you know, would come up in the deck. And, and it was really cool. Like it had such a, bre- it was, it was such a linear deck in, in the sense that like, okay, like I'm just going to pop off and do 240 damage, 250 damage, like right away. But there was like this un, this like unearthed, you know, plethora of just like little things that you could do like that, that really like caught people off guard. And it was, you know, obviously no one had ever seen the deck before. So it was really cool to be able to do that because you could not only catch people by surprise in the fact that we're playing this deck, but we have like all these options that you don't really think about. Which is ultimately the perfect combination you're looking for, I think, as you know, a deck builder trying to do something a little bit off the beaten path is not only uh, you know bring something with a surprise factor, but also have a dynamic array of options. So once they do think they figure out what your game plan is, uh, you can kind of pivot and take over a game and uh, from a different angle. Um, you guys mentioned how strong, obviously, Propagation Egg was uh, in this deck. Uh, let's assume, uh, prop egg is banned. Where, where does the deck go from there? Is the deck still have legs under it? No. (laughs) (laughs) Um, it'd be, it'd be a little harder. I think, so I think there's, that's like a a multifaceted question. The fact that like right now, if I had to replay that regionals with prop egg, absolutely not. But when you look at like some of the new things coming out, like quick ball, um, and you know, you have charge ball and things like that that are more, free search um it's it, i think the deck could still function but it wouldn't be as amazing as it was especially with the roxy and I, I think a lot of things would have to change but i think with like different cards they're printing like a different build of the deck can definitely succeed at a high level but i don't think um with the egg it was just so strong and it, like there's only two spots whereas like you'd have to really um work the deck around like a lot of different things that not having egg would kind of um cause so uh, yes and no I, I think no singular deck um is gonna come close to just how like optimal the egg was for this deck personally like it was just every all the pieces came together so perfectly and really all was like focused on execute so I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna oh. stick with my hard no. I don't think it could exist. I'll disagree with Frank on that. I think egg was so huge to get to keep all your resources that um, a, a different iteration of the deck could be good, but it wouldn't be. I don't I don't think it would be anywhere as powerful without egg. I, I think the deck would be severely hurt without it. All right, Hunter. Let me ask you this then. Um, prop egg doesn't get banned. Uh, we have another expanded region, I think, coming up, or whatever, Collinsville. We'll say it doesn't get banned for by Collinsville. Um, is this a good choice? Uh, what adjustments need to be made uh, for this deck moving forward? Just off the top of your head, uh, giving how the texture of the tournament went for you. Okay, so I think the only really, really, like, high HP Pokemon, because we can hit 300. So the only Pokemon that surpasses that is Snorlax VMAX. So we definitely want a way to deal with that matchup, because uh, obviously Acerola, and, uh, uh, I, I would assume that Snorlax v Max be able to play Acerola, um, would be hard to deal with. But we also get a new tool from the set. We get a Crobat G, which I know Jeffrey here has played with Crobat G, so we know how broken that card is. And we get a Galarian Zigzagoon, which is awesome. You can Roxy that away uh, as a free discard and then also whenever you want to use it you can bench it and place a damage counter on any pokemon on the board and then mm-hmm. you would have the opportunity to do something like go bench zigzagoon play sycamore dig through your deck with Denene shaman and then still pop coco and do all this so i think the i think it could definitely survive and honestly i think it will be garchomp giratina will be an archetype that will be big and expanded as long as double dragon is still there and as, as long as they still keep printing dragon pokemon that are viable that makes yeah, sense I to me. Very strong um, point with the Zigzagoon as well, because, like, to your point, it's pretty much, like, not the same, but very, very similar to the old Crobat G back in, the, like, the SP format, where you can just drop 10 damage counters at any point. So that gives, like, an extra step of power to this deck. You already had the flexibility between the Roxy's to spread damage with the Weezing and then the Giratina as well, but now you add just uh, at any point in time, you know, Ultra Ball, boom, here's my Zigzagoon for the 10 damage. I'm going to Calamity Slash you for whatever I feel like now. Um, Sword of Shield is going to really, really shape up this uh, 
this next expanded, I feel like. Yeah, and I think... So I actually, I want to make a counter, because I actually don't... So I've talked about this a little bit. I don't like the Zigzagoon as much. I still think the Giratina is just better, because you can compressor it, whereas the Zigzagoon, you kind of have to search it out. But sure. I think it will... It, it'll depend... I think it'll just depend on, like, the metal. Like you were saying, there's, you know, 330 HP... Snorlax, so maybe we have to, you know, finagle something to get an extra 30 damage on that because they'll just be able to cycle Lacerola. Um, so it's going to depend on that. I think, like, in a vacuum, like, the deck gets better because, like, one, it doesn't need a turn one supporter as bad as, like, a lot of decks in Expanded do. Um, you could you could really just still pop off turn one without even playing uh, supporter, which is, <laughs> which is really, really nice. Um, just because there are so many item cards that will like thin for you and search for you and do these things for you, um, and then I think we gain we gain quick ball, and you know assuming you have access to propagation, that just exponent or not exponentially that's a horrible word. You can just, get rid um, of ultra ball. You don't even need yeah. ultra ball. Well, anymore. no, I, I would still play the ultra ball. Basically, for me, what it's doing is just increasing your outs to shaman and to denning. Like the biggest thing with the deck. Um, is that you really wanted to be more conservative with your ultra balls because like I hated using ultra ball to search for like uh, uh, Garchomp, Giratina, or um, or Guznag or Noibat or something like that because or, or Lele because those were your only outs to Coco Prism like you only had four um, as compared to like Lele you had you had eight because you could treasure for it and same thing with Guz Lord Naganadel and same thing with Garchomp, Giratina. So, like, the Ultra Ball was the only way to search Shaman. It was the only way to search Dedenne. Oh, Cherish Ball. Um, could search the Dedenne. Um, and it was the only way to, yeah, search Coco Prism. The only way to search, like, your, your really, really good Pokemon that you wanted for more draw and more acceleration. And so now we have access to Ultra Ball plus Quick Ball, which now gives you eight outs to Coco Prism Star and eight outs to Dedenne and eight outs to Shaman, which, like, makes the deck insanely better. I think that's something that a lot of people will overlook um, right away, but I, I, I think a lot of people, when a new set comes out, will just look at, like, what are the new cards and my new abilities and the new Pokemon and the new things you can do, whereas, like, you know, this Giratina uh, Garchomp deck might be tired by the time people really start, you know, looking at Sun and Moon cards and Expanded, but literally just the inclusion of that one quick ball makes the deck... and really really good and the turn one supporter rule um so i think that in the sense will make the deck a lot better but there are like connor was saying there's just like a lot of things that you haven't account for like what the meta is like oh you know there's no turn one supporter do i have to play more shamans and more Dedenes? do can i not play chaotic swan anymore because i need more bench space with like skyfield so i can play more pokemon do, do i choose to go second every game do i choose yeah. to never go first and that's, like, that's going to be a problem, not even with just this deck, but just with the format as a, as a whole, is players are now going to have to decide, huh, I won the coin flip. Do I want to go second now <laughs> so that I can play a supporter? Or do like, does Zorak even survive without playing Bridget turn one? There's We could go on for hours about how the rule changes are going are gonna to make uh, choosing first or second or any deck that's ever existed, like Archie's, like, all right, uh, I no longer can Archie on going first. So is Archie's a deck anymore? I can't yeah, Bridget that, going first. Is Zorark a deck anymore? That was one thing I was really thinking about is um, with Zorark especially, like there's no turn one Bridget anymore. So is like Mimikyu my best option now? Because now I don't turn off Zorark and turn off Mewtwo. I only turn off Mewtwo. So it's like, is, um, is Power Plant better now? Or, or, you know, is there a different way that we can draw cards that doesn't, you know, there's so many different ways to like, build the deck and so many different like engines you can run in this one just happened to be by far the best with the shame and the Dedenne and the chaotic swell um for this tournament but you know when new rules go into effect new cards come in the meta like completely shifts there might be like a much better way to build the deck and i think that's something that is going to come you know be found through a lot of testing i mean that's very i mean that's very well said it's it's uh i guess asking the question the 
the the fog in the distance is a little thicker than uh than maybe way way maybe, thicker. maybe getting thick because of uh the rule change obviously being a big thing i'm going to switch gears a little bit uh i want to talk uh, frank i'll start with you a little bit about your tournament um just kind of your record day one uh how your day two shook out maybe a couple highlights lowlights uh you know just kind of give us the the ten thousand foot view of your experience over those two days in dallas yeah, um, so I ended up going nine two three. I got thirteenth place. Um, I started off day one. I started off six one two. Um, I got my first tie in round four against Azul. I lost game one after um, uh, overextending a little and not realizing what was going on with the Guzzlord GX. And so he was able to use Guzzlord GX's GX attack to take three prizes on a Giratina that I had, you know, popped out to spread damage. And so I need to, and like same thing with the um, oh, excuse me, the same thing with like the comfy. Um, and Hunter talked to me after this. He's like, oh yeah, just fury belt your comfy, so it has enough HP to survive a Guzzlord GX attack without the damage boost stadium that will probably not come into play because we have the chaotic swell. And so like there are like little nuances of that matchup. And Azul obviously an amazing player. Um, that made that kind of difficult. So that was my first tie. And then I tied a Mewtwo immediately after that because um, in like trying to win game two, I accidentally deck myself. I go through my deck so fast and I have like, I think I'm two attacks away from winning um, with Noivern. I have special energy locked and the Mimic use in play. There's nothing my opponent can do um, in game two. I already won game one. And uh, I just draw all of my cards. And so I need to... I have six prize cards. And I basically... I have a VSC curve for N in there that will win me the game by not decking myself. And I just have a 50% chance of drawing it and I lift. And so then I lose game two and then it goes into game three and we you know go to time. Um, so those are my two ties. And then in my... Uh, I want to say seventh round, I lose to Shot Clock because that's just... That's such like a, a very... 100-0 matchup, like, either way. It's either you, you get there or you don't. And, you know, game one, I boom burst. Uh, game two, I am not able to get going and get thrown into the lock. And then game three, um, kind of same deal. Like, I just couldn't really get going. My opponent gets the lockdown, and, and I that's I end up 6-1-2. And then day two, I start out with a loss to the player who actually played against Hunter in the finals, um, I, I lost a Gardevoir, and that's kind of one of the same deals. It's either you draw good or you lose. Um, like, obviously, in Hunter's finals match, which was amazing, one of my favorite matches that Pokemon has streamed in a long time. Um, and I'm sure you've gotten so much praise for, like, how fast you played and just how cool it was to see the deck. And, like, that was, even as someone who's seen the deck a bunch of times before that, that was so fun to watch. Um, but, you know, you obviously you have to just go 100%. You can easily get the knockout before them and just win. Like, you one-shot each other, Gardevoir and your Giratina Garchomp will just one-shot each other, and you can do it much faster. They need to turn to Fairy Song, and they need to turn to, like, set up. Um, but I was not able to do that. I missed... I started Giratina game one and missed the turn one attachment for the turn two attack, and then just lost. Um, it, which, I actually made a huge misplay, too. I just... I totally misplayed myself out of game. I drew through so much of my deck trying to go off um, that I forgot I hadn't even played a supporter, so I had like a Sycamore waiting into like the turn two stones of like computer search Roxy, like everything I needed, and I just drawn through so much of my deck and like thinned so much that I totally forgot I hadn't even played a supporter yet. Um, so I lost game one like that, and then the same kind of story game two. Um, I just like got stuck in the active for like two turns without a float stone. I couldn't find the float stone, and my opponent set up Gardevoir, and it was over. Um, and so that's how the matchup goes. Like usually you can really, really pop off, but unfortunately for me that round I couldn't. Um, and so from there I just needed to win out to make top eight. And so I won the following round and then I ended up tying a, a really good matchup of Zora Garbodor. Um, but there was, I had a slate misstep where I basically, I needed to bench the Giratina or the Guzzlord de Ganadel and attach an energy to it for game on the following turn with the GX attack, there was a Sudowoodo in play. And I had, like, Shaman, Dedene, and Lele all on my bench um, and was not able to, like, really get something else set up. And so that game ended in a loss, and then we never finished the third one. 
Um, and then I just went out from there, um, which got me into top 16. Um, but those just like small little missteps that one, um, the one lost to Gardevoir and then the tie with the Mewtwo and the tie with the, um, with the Zoroark put me just under like the realm of top eight. But other than that, the deck just did exactly what you saw in the stream matches that, of Hunter's games, that what it's supposed to do. And, um, when you do that, it's just absolutely like undefeatable. Outside of those uh, those missteps, obviously it had to be nice. I know you're seeing, you know, everybody else that was playing the deck, you know, cashing in, you know, turning in some good results. Uh, but it had to feel good being the individual playing it and also doing well yourself. Because uh, I know the feeling is a little different when you, you come up with the stones, you give it to somebody, you completely flub out, but you watch somebody else do well. Like, you're obviously happy, but it, it had to be nice to have been part of that experience, uh, you know, all the way to the end. I am, like, I'm super, super, super happy. Like, watching Hunter win, like, put me on cloud nine, like, for sure. And, like, there are times where that's happened. Like, I mean, me and Hunter, we have, <laughs> dude, we have so many stories. Not even, so there's, like, Egg Splat. So Egg Splat was, like, a big oh, oh, yeah. of mine. And so me and Hunter both lose our winning ends, and then Nick Robinson goes on to make top 16 at that. And he um, was first, Daytona. his first seed. He was eight yeah. and one going into day two, and me and Frank were just like, I had an age of slash deck. I was just like, what is happening, dude? Age of I hit like two Venusaur, you know, Venusaur, um, Celebi Venusaurs, which was like an auto loss for the deck, which was we thought was non-existent. And um, so like that was a Frank deck that really I had to watch somebody else do well with. And then me and Hunter like worked so hard on Stunfist Spirit Tomb. Like that was like, I think that was honestly like our, our best, like the best example of like something where we really just sat down from like start to finish. And we like made, like we were driving home from Origins and Hunter's like, hey, <laughs> there's like a post in I think like one of the Facebook groups for Pokemon um, that may or may not still be active. And <laughs> um, may or may not still he was be like, active. He was like, yeah, Stunfist <laughs> just got top eight or top four in a cup. And I was like, what? And he was explaining the deck to me, and I was like, okay, like there's something there. And he's like, are you sure you want to go down this road? I'm like, yeah, let's try it out. And then we just <laughs> test Stunfist for like like ten days, like t- a week or two straight. Of 50 just like, hours. Oh, yeah. I would think I was on break from school, right? I think I was I had just finished school, and we were staying at um, my girlfriend Caitlin's house, and she was in class all day, and we would just, like, like wake up, like, test Stunfist all day. She would get home, we would hang out, and then she would go to bed for class, and we'd test Stunfist more. <laughs> and, you know, I, had to, I watched Hunter get a top eight with that, and I absolutely just, like, you know, just really crap the bet on that tournament um to no fault of the deck but i just really i don't know what happened but um that that that's happened so many times with decks that i've put a lot of work into um by myself or with other people and like got to watch others do well and just the fact that i you know really me and hunter being like the main two contributors of the deck doing the best with it like felt like really good like it felt awesome and and watching him win and and even you know still like coming like being on the high of my you know, top 16 placement. It, it was great. It was, it was really, really awesome. And that's a really, you know, good question because yeah, there's like a huge difference and, and I, I am so happy about it. I, you know, the feeling tangentially, you know, for, for me, I've only, I've only uh, had the opportunity to really strike uh, with while the iron was hot once with uh, uh, Noel with Lost March and watching Charlie Lockyer get a top eight when he finished the first day 9-0. And I'm just, I'm painting my living room, uh, getting updates from Mike Fouché, who's texting me. He's like, dude, the kid's 7-0. He's 8-0. I was like, shut the fuck up. And he's, right. like, he's, best, he's like, yeah, he's about to face Blounds in round nine. And it's like, okay, free. That's, that's, that's a free matchup. <laughs> and uh, so... You know, a feeling, feeling the excitement from far away. It's just one of those things, like hindsight 2020. Man, I would have liked to go to that tournament and sleeve up the 60 that I was, you know, that uh, Noel and I were slinging to everybody. Um, so I, I feel your, your, the, the wavelength your heart is on on that. Jeff, any questions for Frank before we pitch it over to the stun fist scumbag, Hunter Butler? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, so <laughs> man, you caught me right off the cover of the freaking words of Scunfist on back. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! 
nothing, nothing for Frank right now. I, I got nothing for Frank. You know, uh, you know, I think, I think the fact that that you consistently always bring something spicy to the table, whatever event you go to, and whether it's you going far with it or somebody else, I just merits how much effort you put to the game and how true it is that you know you put the time into it and you believe in yourself. Don't always play what you feel is the best stuff. Put what you put your passion. Jeff, I think you cut out for a second there, but I, I think we got the gist of your heartfelt uh, uh, <laughs> message to Frank. Hunter, I'm going to put you on the button here, kid. Obviously, okay. you win the tournament. Um, give us the quick hit uh, rundown of day one. Don't have to go into every single round, but uh, kind of how your day one went. We'll talk about a little bit day two. And then uh, your stream matches, uh, which I believe you were, were you streamed top eight, top four, and finals, or just top four and finals? Just top four and finals, and I was streamed round seven as well on day one. Gotcha. I know I watched the top four and finals in preparation for this. It wasn't much to watch. You just mopped the floor. It was like just going through the pace. But just you take it away. Day one, then we'll go to day two. Hunter, it's on you, bud. Yeah, so I guess the important thing about day one is that I hit five Mewtwo's, which Mewtwo's an amazing matchup. So I was able to, you know, Tom threw me a good day, like, uh, you know, wow. Frank, Frank must Frank, be nice. Bro. Yeah, Tom threw me a real good day for this Tom tournament. Tom threw you an alley oop. Yeah, he really did. Tom, Tom really threw me the assist. And uh, uh, <laughs> you know, Mewtwo's an amazing matchup. Mimikyu bodies it. I also got the pleasure of playing a Zorogarb and Archie's with no stealthy hood, a standard Valimar deck round one that didn't even set up. So you know, uh, I got a lot of good matchups. I didn't. Ha- you know, I played one dark the whole tournament. I played him day one, and the, the matchup was pretty good. I was fortunate enough to get damage on Sneasel, so we all never, was never apart. Um, uh, my stream match round seven really wasn't, or uh, round, yeah, round seven, uh, really wasn't much to watch. Game one, I missed energy quite a bit and didn't end up winning. And then game two, he uh, did not start as hot as I would have liked, or as he would have liked to. I definitely liked it didn't start as hot after losing game one. And then uh, I was able to close that one really quickly, and then game two, he just drew so dead. And I was able to take a turn one KO. So I started 8-0. and oh. uh, I was really pushing for the 9-0. and oh. And I guess what's more important about this matchup is like how the dynamic of me winning this tournament came to fruition, because it kind of like happened like magic with how my matchups went. Because I was sitting around, uh, round five, I remember, sitting around table, I'm at table three, and at table one is a shock lock mirror. And then at table two is a Hoopa versus shock lock. And then I'm playing an attacking deck versus dark. And then next to me is a Hoopa mirror. And then (laughs) Joe Rudiger versus another guy who's getting absolutely bodied. So I'm like, all right, I have hit the stall bracket. It's, I'm going to have to start working for these. I'm going to have to not hit attacking decks. And, uh. And so then I hit Mewtwo when I'm supposed to hit a lock deck, and then I'm sitting next to more lock decks versus others, and I'm like, all right, next round. And then I hit another Mewtwo, and then I hit another Mewtwo. I hit three Mewtwo's in a row instead of stalled decks. And I was just like, oh, my goodness. And this is my, the last Mewtwo. The third Mewtwo deck was obviously the, the eighth round where I went 8-0. And, oh. and then finally – What yeah, a sack, man. Oh, and my then, God. And hey, Frank, the, it's uh, all part of the process, buddy. You can't get too <laughs> upset. Hey, hey, listen, listen. Mewtwo, no, I love Mewtwo had a great showing in this tournament. Mewtwo was a big part of the meta, and the, you know, I was uh, I was XO the whole tournament. So these Mewtwo's were doing well. It wasn't like I was just playing some you know somebody who doesn't know what they're doing with the deck. You know what I'm saying? But the match. I know, really I know. I'm just giving you some. But round, but round, round nine, I finally hit Hoop Guy. So he bodied me, and that's that's where the, that's where the uh, that's where the uh, day one ended. I, I had no way to beat Hoopa. Uh, day two. You know, I hit three. I hit three attacking decks, ADP, uh, two ADP decks, one being Blacephalon, one being the Bird Trio, and then I hit. And these were also at both at great records. Uh, I ended up losing to Gibby round one, and it put me in the best bracket because then Gibby just started bodying all the stall decks, all the shock locks that were positive started out 0-2, every single one of them. I literally looked this up. They all started 0-2, so they were infinitely out of my bracket for the rest of the tournament. The only person I could play is Shemansky. But because Gibby bodied him after he beat me, and then Shemansky took a tie, then Shemansky was out of my bracket. So I just hit three attacking decks back-to-back, was able to get the, the wins in all those pretty handedly, and then I get to tie my last round. So day two was kind of honestly more of a breeze than day one was. I'm, I'm going to be honest. Like, like the deck worked both days, 
but it wasn't like I was, uh, you know, I don't, I didn't feel unfavored against any ADP deck. You know, the ADP could get one shot, and being two of the three rounds that I played against RC Stialga, it, they were very much easier than day one. And then uh, going into top eight, I'm playing against the guy that body Frank, so I'm glad that I got the coll- the the collateral. I got the revenge dub on that one, and you know he had mentioned to me he thought the matchup was good because he bought he beat Frank and had beat another player. So you know I was like I definitely I didn't. Beat this. Uh, I think you played my opponent. You might play him in the finals. I think is the person I played. In oh Gardevoir. okay, well a different Gardevoir guy had said he had played a couple of our decks and that it was good for him. And I took one shots on Gardevoir both games on the turn one. Him he went first both games. Turn two, I took a knockout on the Gardevoir both games. So very, like, I drew very hot, very hot. Like, I'm not going to act like I just outplayed my opponent. I drew the stones, like, straight up. Uh, I needed to draw well. You have to draw well to, to win a tournament. I've found this out because I've only won one tournament, and this is the best I've ever drew. So I'll, I'll put it that way. And then uh, top four was streamed against John. I got another grudge match. He beat me out of top eight at Knoxville because I absolutely drew that. I went attach to point pull past two games in a row. I got bodied in like four minutes. It felt so bad. I wanted to really win that tournament. I also put a lot of testing into that tournament, a whole two weeks with Finn of Blounds. So I love John, me and John are great friends, but I really wanted that win. And it was nice to get a favorable matchup. And then the finals, man, like opening a hand of computer search via seeker and compressor. That's an Archie hand for a deck that doesn't have to Archie and you still can Sycamore. So the amount of options that I have with that hand were just, if anybody's watched the match, I literally got a turn one kill on a guardy, which is, you know, I did it th- three times that tournament, you know? That finals was so, that was so awesome to watch. Like, I, like, everybody, like, was rooting you on, for sure. Like, even in, like, in the chat and, like, at the tournament, you could just hear them in the background and you would, like, do stuff and just, like, looking at your opening hand and just, like, how everything went together with the deck and just, like, how fast you were just going about, like, doing this and, like, how all of the pieces, like you were saying, it looked like somebody was just, like, speeding through an Archie's hand, but you don't have to put the Archie's out. It was just so... uh, It's so good to watch, man. Like that. And I have... and Me and Frank, actually, this is another thing me and Frank share, is that we both have massive anxiety. So when I'm... When all this stuff is happening, I'm like, it might look on the camera that, like, oh, he's going fast, you know what he's doing. I want you guys to know the whole time I'm literally like, I cannot mess this up. I cannot mess this up right now. If I do the wrong thing, if I do the wrong ultra ball, if I try and double attach, if I accidentally play a second supporter, that's all that's on my mind is like, dude, I can't mess this up. I can't mess this up. I can't mess this up. I was a nervous wreck through every game I played this weekend, you know, because once you, you know, when you're doing bad, you're just like, oh man, I'm, you know, I'm going to see how it goes. But when you're doing good, then the pressure's on. It's like, man, I, I really got to win this next round or and I can win this thing or man, if I win this top four, I'm going to go to finals. And, uh, you know, if, if I win this finals, I'm going to get five grand. You know, everything's going through your mind through the whole time. And, you know, I can't thank Frank enough or any of the people that I tested with or anybody who's ever supported me. Like, this win definitely felt like more of a win for a group than a win for me. Like, the money is, the money is cool, but, like, this is us proving as a testing group as well that, like, Newer players can do well too. I've been I've been here a while or been playing a while. I've never got to play a full season. This is the first season I've actually played all the way through, and I'm literally about to take a break. So probably not even going to play the whole time unless you know some Australian magic happens, which I'm hoping it will. But you know I've never gotten to play a full one. This is the first full one, and I'm glad like it shows our testing group can really can really put up good decks just as just as uh, good as anybody else. I I literally think that I've gotten more congratulations and more like praise for your winning a regional than I have for any placement at any time. <laughs> I think I've gotten more people that have like reached out to me about like you winning this tournament than like me placing at like any tournament that I've done well at, which is amazing, like hilarious. But also I think that does really go to show like how much of like, it really did feel like, like a group effort and, and I'm like so happy about it. Also low, also low key, the best. This is gonna be a funny accomplishment, but the best accomplishment of the weekend was that in the morning I didn't have sleeves, and I, me and Alex Shemansky, like uh, we've traded decks. He played a Gardevoir, de- an iteration of a Gardevoir deck at nationals that I played at regionals, and so uh, me and him are really cheeky. And I think we're pretty good friends. We sit next to each other all the time, uh, and, and uh, he, he's a really great guy. And I asked him for some sleeves, and he gives me he gives me the only sleeves he has on him so that I can resleeve my deck was willing to just, you know, uh, keep his deck sleeves. He felt his sleeves were fine from the day before. And then Carter, 
my teammate who gave me this super sweet uh, uh, e-reader lightning energies for my deck bought those energies from Alex Shemansky like three weeks ago. So my sleeves and Alex Shemansky's and uh, Alex Shemansky's energies and Chris Shemansky or and Alex Shemansky's sleeves won a tournament before Alex Shemansky did the sleeves <laughs> and the energies. So you know, like he was like messaging me like I'm. Uh, I'm glad my sleeves and my energies got to win a tournament. It was a real, it was a good funny joke. <laughs> uh, if I can add in something that's humorous in regards to Alex Shemansky, so he was the one that got the towering splash GX for six prizes. Uh, if you guys remember that, top oh eight yeah, match. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And so, uh, Jeff and I were in the booth, and I, I there's a line in there somewhere that I said, if he pulls off this towering splash, I'm going to start a GoFundMe for Alex Shemansky, www.gofundme.com forward slash Alex Shemansky. Donate all you can. It looks like I might have to fire the site back up, buddy, because <laughs> that poor oh kid has taken goodness. some mean beats out there. Well, shout out to him, though. He gave me the stones were with me because of Alex Shemansky's sleeves and energy, 100%. Because I, I, I'll say, I'll be the first to say this, and there are probably others that believe this, but Alex Shemansky is 100,000% a better player than me. He is so smart. He has come up with some great decks. He has an amazing uh, group of accomplishments. So shout out to him. He He's definitely, uh, I'm a fanboy for him, and I, I really like his decks, and he, he's a really good dude. An amazing person from an amazing family. I haven't heard anybody say anything negative about the Schmanskys. They they really prop up. They're they're a, 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 a stalwarts and a pillar in the community, 100%. And I'm a huge fan of the entire family. Um, Hunter, I must say, before we got on this call, um, I wanted to, you know, I didn't want to get caught off guard, so I wanted to do a little air quote research. So I watched your uh, the the top four match and then the finals match, and uh, after about 15 minutes, I was like, well, I didn't fucking learn anything. Because uh, those matches are over, and you just steamrolled through both opponents, no problem. Also, I think your opponent in the finals might have caught those nerves you were talking about a little bit. Uh, had a, a couple unfortunate uh, missteps that uh, maybe maybe didn't uh, maybe could have prolonged the outcome. I'll say. Yes, definitely. With the computer search play, he had um, he had mentioned to me while we were at the table. He was. Uh, after he computer searched, you could kind of see on the video where he tr- starts to reach for one card, and that's because he was going to discard for Cynthia Caitlin. But he actually computer searched it away. So he missed sequence, I guess, and some other people said they could see an ultra ball in his hand. I can't see the ultra ball in his hand. Obviously, I was paying attention to the game, but um, maybe he meant to ultra ball first. I'd actually like might want to talk to him about like what happened. But it, it was his first day two, and he got second, so that's an amazing accomplishment. But yeah, definitely... Uh, definitely the uh, spritzy grab off the computer search was questionable, and and um, I the game probably would have went different had Cynthia Caitlin came down and the uh, a spritzy also came down, which he had an ultra ball in his hand per se. So those two things could have happened. So I don't know, but I mean I think in in my mind, anyways, the matchup was really good, and my hand was really good. He wasn't playing N, so I still had computer search battle compressor VS seeker. So I think I still would have gotten a turn turn one kill regardless of his misstep no i i, I don't disagree with that i think it would just like you said might have prolonged the the game a little bit um frank hunter this kind of we've kind of gone over the tournament uh, obviously i'm a huge huge proponent proponent of both of you i get to see frank a little bit more often uh for the very few times i actually get to, to ohio to to go to events but uh hunter miss you a whole bunch um if you guys have anything to add frank i'm going to start with you you're on the clock shout outs social media plugs any other things about the deck or uh, your adventures moving forward this season let us know oh man yeah i just uh shout out to hunter for you know just making it happen and you know being my boy and uh shout out to Team Gas and Team Cutter Tap and everybody that's really affiliated with the both of us. I'll save the Cutter Tap stuff for Hunter, but um, yeah, shout out to that. Uh, follow me on Twitter. I gained 60 followers today on Twitter because I asked people. I, I said, "Can people please follow me?" And I, you know, so follow me on Twitter at PokeyPersic, um, and follow Team Gas on Twitter. And yeah, just keep posted. Uh, my messages are always open. I love when people message me fun deck ideas that they have and, and stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, I'll see everybody in Collinsville. 
Nice. Hunter, over to you. Same uh, same spiel. You got it. Go for it. Um, shout out to Team Countertap, Finn Lynch, Hale Overnight, Carter Barsh, Mike Morton, Joe Sanchez. Uh, great group of guys. Uh, come check out our website at Countertap. I will be writing an article for this deck. I don't know if it's going to be free because I'm going to go into more detail, but um, and I'm going to go with uh, some Sword and Shield stuff going forward in the back half of the article for Collinsville. I don't think I'll be attending, but I think I'll have a Teenage Trump iteration in there. Um, so check that out. Also stay posted for standard articles, um, all of that good stuff. I uh, don't have Twitter, but shout out to Frank. Shout out to Team Gas. Uh, the deck really, I mean, I won the tournament. The deck really worked well. It was it was so good. It was a team effort. Like I said, everybody played their part. Um Shout out to my grandma for supporting me in this game since I was 11 years old. Without her, I would have never been able to travel to any of these things or even know about them if they existed. Uh, shout out to you for having me on. And hopefully the next thing I go to, if I can pull it off, is Australia. But if not, m- most definitely uh, NEIC. I, again, I can't thank you both enough for uh, joining me today, kind of giving me the first, uh, when I say me, obviously I, I mean the Super Rodcast, giving us the first crack at both of you to talk to you a little bit about that amazing weekend and kind of the magic that happened down in Dallas, uh, not only between you two, your other team members, and everyone piloting that deck. So, again, hats off to both of you. Um, a cutter tap, uh, just to quickly speak, I, you know, I actually, you know, Hunter and I have uh, have grown as friends, but I, I did message him a little bit asking about uh, cutter tap, the, the quality of their content, what they have going on. And uh, it didn't take long for him to sell me on it and then for me to be sold on it, uh, you know, actually being uh, a subscriber to it. So I definitely think it's uh, it's worth the money from Finn's articles and him constantly updating lists. You always feel like you're getting new content. Um, so I, you know, just a, a little plug from a third party individual uh, on Cutter Tap's behalf there. But yeah, definitely, I, I appreciate it. And I guess uh, one more thing on Cutter Tap is uh, if you guys want coaching, all six of us players uh, are available for coaching. I'm going to be starting up a little bit, uh, taking a couple more students. So along with being having a subscription to all our articles, you get our testing videos, and obviously uh, you're able to grab coaching. So uh, I'm pretty sure Frank offers coaching as well. So uh, hit both of us up. We're, we would really love to help, help you improve your game if you, if you would like it. That the offer is out there. Um, so I will say um, you can find us on Twitter at the Super Rodcast. You can find Jeffrey Saran, who's unfortunately his power went out. Uh, so that's why he immediately. Shout out to my guy, Jeffrey Saran, <laughs> The The power surge coming through with the Tapu Coco Prism. Golly. You can find him on Twitter at SaranRap, S U R R A N W R A P. Of course, you can find me on Twitter at Snacks D O O B S N A X. On behalf of Hunter, Frank, Jeff, and myself, we hope we made your old rod feel super again. Catch you next time.